Chapter Thirteen of the History of Miss Betsy Thoughtless, Volume Two. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Thirteen is the recital of some accidents as little possible to be foreseen by the reader as they were by the persons to whom they happened. In youth, when the blood runs high and the spirits are in full vivacity, affliction must come very heavy indeed when it makes any deep or lasting impression on the mind that vexation which miss betsy had brought upon herself by going to the play with miss forward was severe enough the whole night and the ensuing day a great while it must be confessed for a person of her volatile disposition and when the more violent emotions had subsided the terror she had lately sustained had at least this good effect upon her it made her resolve to take all possible precautions not to fall into the like danger again as she had an infinite deal of generosity in her nature when not obscured by that pride and vanity which the flatteries to which she had been much accustomed to had inspired her with she could not reflect how ill she had treated mr trueworth and the little regard she had paid to the tender concern he had shown for her reputation without thinking she ought to ask his pardon and acknowledge she had been in the wrong if mr trueworth could have known the humour she was at present in how readily would he have flown to her with all the wings of love and kind forgiveness but as he had not the spirit of divination and could only judge of her sentiments by her behaviour it was not in his power to conceive how great a change had happened in his favour through a just sensibility of her own error she in the meantime little imagined how far he resented the treatment she had given him especially as she heard he had been to wait upon her the day in which she saw no company and after having passed a night of much more tranquillity than the former had been went down in the morning to breakfast with her usual cheerfulness she had not been many minutes in the parlour before she was agreeably surprised with the sight of her elder brother mr francis thoughtless who it seems had arrived the night before after the first welcomes were over mr goodman asked him wherefore he did not come directly to his house saying he had always a spare bed to accommodate a friend to which the other replied that he had come from paris with some company whom he could not quit and that they had lain at the hummums miss betsy was extremely transported at his return and said a thousand obliging things to him all which he answered with more politeness than tenderness and this young lady soon perceived by this specimen of his behaviour to her that she was not to expect the same affection from him as she had received so many proofs of from her younger brother his long absence from england and some attachments he had found abroad had indeed very much taken off that warmth of kindness he would doubtless otherwise have felt for an only sister and one who appeared so worthy of his love as mr goodman had acquainted him by letter that he had hired a house for him according to his request the chief of their conversation turned on that subject and as soon as breakfast was over they took a walk together to see it on their return he seemed very much pleased with the choice mr goodman had made and the little time he stayed was entirely taken up with consulting lady mellison his sister and miss flora concerning the manner in which she should ornament it for the honest guardian had taken care to provide all such furniture as he thought would be necessary for a single gentleman no entreaties were wanting to prevail on him to make the house his home till his own was thoroughly aired and in all respects fit for him to go into but he excused himself saying 
he could not leave the friends he had travelled with till they were provided for as well as himself nor could all mr goodman and the ladies urge persuade him to dine with them that day it must be acknowledged that this positive refusal of everything that was desired of him had not in it all that complacence which might have been expected from a person just coming from among a people more famous for their politeness than their sincerity but he had his own reasons which the family of mr goodman as yet were far from suspecting which made him act in the manner he now did and it was not in reality the want of french breeding but the want of true old english resolution that enforced this seeming negligence and abruptness after he was gone mr goodman went to change but was scarce entered into the walk where he had appointed to meet some merchants when he was accosted by two rough ill-looked fellows who demanded his sword and told him they had a writ against him that he was their prisoner and must go with them mr goodman who had as little reason as any man living to suspect an insult of this nature only smiled and told them they were mistaken in the person no no said one of them we are right enough if you are mr samuel goodman my name is samuel goodman replied he but i do not know that it stands in any man's books for debt but pray continued he at whose suit am i arrested at the suit of mr oliver marplus said the other officer i have no dealings with any such person cried mr goodman nor even ever heard the name of him you mention then they told him it was his business to prove that they did but do their duty and he must obey the writ mr goodman on this knowing they were not the persons with whom this matter should be contested readily went where they conducted him which was to a house belonging to him who appeared to be the principal of the two as they were coming off change he bade his coachman drive his chariot home and tell his lady that he believed he should not dine with her that day but he kept his footman with him to send on what messages he should find convenient the officer knowing his condition and not doubting but he should have a handsome present for civility money used him with a great deal of respect when he had got him to his house and on his desiring to be informed of the lawyer's name employed in the action he immediately told him and also for what sum he was arrested which was no less than two thousand five hundred and seventy five pounds eight shillings a pretty parcel of money truly said mr goodman i wonder in what dream i contracted this debt he then called for pen ink and paper and wrote a line to his lawyer in the temple desiring him to go to the other who they said was concerned against him and find out the truth of this affair the honest old gentleman having sent this letter by his servant called for something to eat and was extremely facetious and pleasant with the officers not doubting but that what had happened was occasioned through some mistake or other and should immediately be discharged when the thing was inquired into but his present good humour was changed into one altogether the reverse when his own lawyer accompanied by him who was engaged for his adversary came to him and told him there was no remedy but to give bail and the suit commenced against him was on account of a bond given by lady mellison to mr oliver marplus some few days previous to her marriage tis hard to say whether surprise or rage was most predominant in the soul of this much injured husband at so shocking a piece of intelligence he demanded to see the bond which request being granted he found it not as he had at first flattered himself a forgery but signed with his wife's own hand and witnessed by mrs prinks her woman and another person 
whom he knew not it is certain that no confusion ever exceeded that of mr goodman's at this time he sat like one transfixed with thunder was wholly incapable of uttering one syllable he appeared to the company as lost in thought but was indeed almost past the power of thinking till his lawyer roused him with these words come sir said he you see how the case stands there is no time to be lost you must either pay the money down or get immediate security for i suppose you would not choose to be here to-night this fashionable admonition brought him a little to himself he now began to reflect what it would best become him to do and after a pause of some moments i believe said he that i have now in my house more than the sum in bills that would discharge this bond but i would willingly hear what this woman has to say before i pay the money and will therefore give it bail accordingly he sent for two citizens of great worth and credit to desire them to come to him they instantly complied with this summons and the whole affair being repeated to them voluntarily offered to be his sureties bail bonds were easily procured but it took up some time in filling them up and discharging the fees and other consequential expenses that it was past one o'clock before all was over and mr goodman had liberty to return to his own habitation it was very seldom that mr goodman stayed late abroad but whenever anything happened that obliged him to do so lady mellicin through the great affection she pretended to have for him would never go to bed till his return mrs prinks for the most part was her sole companion in such cases as it so fell out that this night neither of the two young ladies had any inclination to sleep miss flora's head was full of the above-mentioned plot and the anxiety for its success the remembrance of the last adventure at miss forward's was not yet quite dissipated in miss betsy the coldness with which she imagined herself treated by her elder brother with whom she had flattered herself of living and being very happy under his protection gave her a good deal of uneasiness to add to all these matters of disquiet she had also received that afternoon a letter from mr francis thoughtless acquainting her that he had the misfortune to be so much bruised by a fall he got from his horse that it was utterly impossible for him to travel and she must not expect him in town yet for some days the ladies were all together sitting in the parlour each choosing rather to indulge her own private meditations than to hold discourse with the others when mr goodman came home lady mellison ran to embrace him with a show of the greatest tenderness my dear mr goodman cried she how much have i suffered from my fear lest some ill accident should have befallen you the worst that could have happened has befallen me replied he thrusting her from him yet no more than what you might very reasonably expect would one day or another happen what do you mean my dear said she more alarmed at his words and looks than she made show of you may too easily inform yourself what tis i mean cried he hastily on the retrospect of your behaviour i now find but too late how much i have been imposed upon did you not assure me continued he somewhat more mildly that you were free from all encumbrances by that girl whom since our marriage i have tendered as my own and then perceiving she answered nothing but looked pale and trembled he repeated to her the affront he had received which said he in all my dealings in the world would never have happened but on your account though lady mellison had as much artifice and the power of dissimulation as any of her sex yet she was at a loss thus taken unprepared she hesitated she stammered and fain would have denied 
for having given any such bond but finding the proofs too plain against her she threw herself at his feet wept and conjured him to forgive the only deception she had practised on him it was a debt said she contracted by my former husband which i knew not of i thought the effects he left behind him were more than sufficient to have discharged whatever obligations he lay under and foolishly took out letters of administration the demand of marplus came not upon me till some time after i then inconsiderately gave him my own bond which he however promised not to put in force without previously acquainting me this excuse was too weak as well as all the affection mr goodman had for her to pacify the emotions of his just indignation and pray cried he in a voice divided between scorn and anger of what advantage would it have been to me your being previously acquainted with it could you have paid the money without robbing or defrauding me no madam continued he i shall for the future give credit to nothing you can say and as i cannot be assured that this is the only misfortune i have to dread on your account shall consider what steps i ought to take for my defence in speaking these words he rung the bell for a servant and ordered that bed to which he had invited mr thoughtless should that instant be made ready for himself all the tears and entreaties of lady mellicin were in vain to make him recede from his resolution of lying alone that night and as soon as he was told his orders were obeyed he flung out of the room saying madame perhaps we never more may meet between a pair of sheets whether at that time he was determined to carry his resentment so far or not is uncertain but what happened very shortly after left him no other part to take than that which he had threatened End of chapter thirteen